It is good to see you this day in the house of the Lord. We're very glad that you're here. We're going to begin, please, with number five. Now thank we all our God, and we have so much today to give thanks and to praise the Lord for. Let's stand, please, to sing. seated. I'm going to ask Pastor Gallagher to come now to the pulpit and lead us in our opening prayer. We enjoyed his ministry this morning in our adult Bible class and his ministry in this week during our times of prayer and presbytery meetings. It has been a blessing to have so many of the men with us, and of course our brother is no stranger to us here, and we are very thankful for his ministry in the Lord's Word. He's going to lead us now in prayer. Let's unite together before the throne of grace. Our Father in heaven, we bless thee that we are coming into the presence of our God and our King. We thank thee for the liberties that are ours, nationally, civilly, but that liberty that thou hast granted in our hearts to put the very desire and granted us the faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he you are, O Lord, to your people. O God, our Father, will you bless us today for Jesus' sake. We thank thee that he is our mediator. He is 
the Alpha and the Omega, the author, the finisher. He is the Amen, the Yea and the Amen. And we come today pleading help and grace to our souls. The psalmist prayed, It is time for thee to work, O Lord, for they have made void thy law. Lord, we lament that in our nation, but we must honestly also lament it in our own hearts. It is time for thee to work, O Lord, for I have made void thy law. Lord, pardon us, wherein we have gone contrary to your word, to your desires. Forgive us, O God, for departing from those first principles of loving the Lord our God with all our soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. We confess that at heart we become selfish, and we need to pray for hearts that are enlarged, faith that is fixed afresh upon the bleeding lamb and that precious blood that cleanseth us. Lord, grant to every brother and sister in this gathering the joy of the fresh cleansing of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. May we come like Thomas, even with our doubts and fears, and just look afresh upon the wounds of our Savior. May we be totally convinced afresh that thou art our Lord and our God. We pray for that fresh quickening of joyous fellowship, blessed participation in all that we are in Christ Jesus. Encourage your people today. Thank you for the week that we have had as ministers and elders and the special meetings in the church this week. Thank you, Lord, for every mercy and every token of grace. But, O oh Lord, we need to prove thee afresh today. We ask that you'll come and minister in power in this service. Help thy servant, Reverend Greer, to open the book, to open the word. And may our hearts be turned to receive that word with faith, joy, and gladness. O oh God, give us the Holy Ghost. Bless the life and testimony of this congregation and all that is undertaken in the name of the Lord to reach this community, to reach this nation. Bless the webcast ministry and those who join in. Grant, Lord, that you'll bless all who take the literature and invite and witness. O oh God, grant that your blessing will be upon every effort to multiply it. For thou art the one who takes the seed, multiplies it by some 30, 60, or 100. But, Lord, we need a multiplying of blessing. Remember those who struggle in body with ill health. Give a measure of power and favor in their own souls that will compensate for every anguish of body. 
And we pray, Lord, that our eyes will ever be looking unto that great day when we will see our Savior, when either we will be called into his wonderful presence or that thou will come and gather the saints together. And so bless this morning gathering. Bless every like service across our nation and around the world. Bless our missionaries. May your power and favor be upon them today. We ask all of these things now in the name of our Savior, for his glory. Amen. Amen. Please continue to remember Brother Gulliver's ministry of the Let the Bible Speak, our radio broadcast that goes across Canada, different cities, and also in Liberia. Remember our brother, please, in your prayers. Psalm 121. The Psalms are at the back of our book, and the words will also be behind me on the screen. Let's stand, please, again as we sing Psalm 121. Please with me now in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. Book of Proverbs, chapter 31. Reading from verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. 
She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow, for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry, her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen, selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates." Well, a fitting portion of Scripture as we today want to acknowledge mothers and grandmothers. And for every virtuous woman that God has raised up in this congregation and those that you know of personally, how special is verse 30? Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. It may be that you are not a mother in the physical sense. For those who are, and you have children, they are never away from your heart in prayer. You are always holding them up, whether they are in their infancy in their juvenile days, in their adulthood, you are always praying for them. But if you are an, an aunt, or you are a Sunday school teacher, or you are one that has influence over others, and you are a virtuous woman, well, this day is your day, and a day that we honor all 
whom God has raised up. And we pray the Lord's rich blessing would be upon each one of you today and the Word of God would be an encouragement and a blessing to your heart. Well, we want to give a very special word of welcome to everyone today in our service. We're very happy that you are here. You're watching our service today maybe online and you're also very, very welcome. We still have some visitors with us that uh, from our week of meetings, our presbytery, our prayer meetings, and we're very, very thankful to still have some of these folks with us today. Uh, Reverend Greer is with us. Uh, he's bringing the word this morning. And uh, uh, Reverend Golliher with us as he took the Bible class today. We're happy to have Brother Lalo Pena with us from Mexico and his family. And they're still here. And Brother Richard Craig from our work in Jamaica. And so these are very encouraging things, and we're looking forward to a day of good fellowship. Uh, Brother John Armstrong, Reverend Armstrong, is ministering today in Port Hope, and he'll be preaching the Word tonight in our evening services. Dr. McClelland has, continuing on his ministry of the bits and pieces that come out every week, and if you get our online uh, correspondence, you will have those. And if you don't yet have that, then speak to one of our, our men as you're leaving today, and they'll be sure that you're able to get linked up with our church emails that go out regularly. And uh, those are some good articles you'll receive. He included one today. It was a devotional from C.H. Spurgeon on the comfort of mothers, and it's well worthwhile reading that from that devotional. I recommend it to you today. We're also very happy to welcome a Brother Lyndon Price and his wife Elizabeth Beth with us today. They have come from Vancouver, and they know by way of the radio broadcast and the former ministry of Brother Gulliver in that neck of the woods. And our brother has also been listening to uh, Brother Greer through Sermon Audio and other men on there, and so we're very happy that you've made your effort and come all the way today just to take in the Lord's Day and uh, flown in for that. And so we wish you and pray you God's rich blessing on you and your family that you would know His presence and His help with you. Well, I want to express my thanksgiving to the congregation here for your work and your effort over this past week. It is a broad range of thanks that will need to be given out, and it goes from those of our men who were willingly offering themselves to go to the airport to pick up and to drop off the visitors that have come and yet have to go, and so we very much appreciate that. And there are those that have been involved in the background details of of. of of things that have to be prepared for the week of prayer and all of the uh, paperwork and the correspondence and things of that nature. And then it comes down to the ladies in the congregation and your work that you have done in preparing for all of the food times. You have again excelled yourself. And as a pastor, I am so thankful for all of the interest and the contribution that you have made 
in the congregation. It's very, very encouraging, and I'm thankful about that. And I pray, well, the Lord will bless you as he rewards openly the work that you have done in secret. And I think it came to a real great climax and a highlight on Thursday night as we had our international dinner, and it was a very blessed thing. More than one person said to me, we have to do this more often. This is very good, and everyone enjoyed the time of food and of fellowship together. Please remember some of the ministry announcements going on today and into this incoming week. We have our pre-service prayer time today at 5.50, and our evening service will be at 6.30. And our brother John Armstrong, who is the moderator of our Ulster Presbytery, coming down to the end of that term, but he'll be ministering the Word of God tonight. On Wednesday, we have our Bible study and prayer meeting, and that's our regular weekly meeting, and that will be at 7.30. Now, we were planning on our session and board meeting for Thursday night, but gentlemen, we have to reschedule that because there is a conflict. Our Whitfield Christian Schools will be having their primary and junior concert this Thursday night, and it will be here in the church building So please remember and pray for that, and I'll be in touch with you via email just to let you know what will happen regarding uh, our meeting. And next Lord's Day, our services are all at the regular time, our Bible study, and the adult Bible study will be taken by, for the month of June, by our brother Daniel Simen. And we were mentioning to you on Wednesday night that our brother has been officially brought under the care of our presbytery to begin his theological training and studies. And we want to remember our brother as he'll be taking the adult Bible class. I don't want to forget to welcome Vish and his family with us again in the service. And we're very happy to have you folks with us. We haven't seen you for some time, but we're happy that your whole family, your, most of your family is here with us in the service today. And you are very very welcome. When you are leaving today, we have something for the ladies. We have a pad with a pen on it, and it has a nice inscription of a a gospel scripture, and so you make sure, we'll make sure all the ladies get those. And if you're a younger lady, well, we want to make sure we have some pens also for you, so you'll be able to pick up one of those when you leave today, and also a flower for the ladies as they're departing this morning. We have a new postcard that's an outreach postcard that there are available on the two tables at the back if you'd like to pick up some of these and make use of them for outreach. And we're planning to do a major mailing throughout all of the Malvern community, about 10,000 of these cards we're going to be sending to all of the homes in the vicinity. You know in the past we have given out the Gospels and we have distributed them one by one. One of the benefits this year the session and board decided on having the post office send these out is because of getting into all of the apartment buildings that are around. When you're doing door-to-door outreach you really cannot get into the apartment buildings 
but the post office is able to. So let's really pray that in all of the apartments that are around us, these go out to our community, that we are praying for the fear of God to descend upon Malvern and upon the area of our church. And we pray that God would use these little postcards that have the gospel message on it, our service times, and there's a QR code that they can click on there and go to a gospel message. In fact, when you pick up one of those, you can also do that. It takes, us, takes you to our website and therefore to a gospel message. And let's pray that the Lord will really use this for the honor and for the glory of his name. We have had some extra expenses, as you can appreciate, for our meetings over this past week. And as we come now to give our tithes and our offerings to the Lord, there is a plate on the table outside as you leave. If you are a visitor today, that does not apply to you. You don't have to give anything. If you are not led to do that, that's fine. It's for our own people. And certainly we thank you for your faithful tithing, your faithful giving. And if the Lord would direct you to give a little something extra, if you're able to, to help with these extra expenses, well, we'll appreciate that in the Lord. We're going to stand and sing 503, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Let's stand, please, as we worship.
It was a delight when I came into the church this morning, just before the service, that our, brother, our sister Serene has able to be with us this morning. We have been praying much for our sister with your many health concerns, and we're very thankful you're here. It's also good to see our brother Chris Provost here and his family. We're very thankful that you're in the service this morning, and we're praying for our brother with his own health needs. A joy for us to welcome to our pulpit again Reverend John Greer, who is the senior pastor of Ballymena Free Presbyterian Church in Northern Ireland. He is one of the uh, two men that were sent. I was going to say one of the two witnesses, but that wouldn't exactly be correct. But uh, he is certainly a strong witness for the Lord, one of the representatives from our Ulster Presbytery. And we've enjoyed his ministry this week. And uh, certainly today we're very, very happy that he's with us in our pulpit here. And our brother is going to bring the Word of God to us this morning. He is the clerk of our presbytery, and uh, we know from the work that Dr. Pollock has to do in our own presbytery that the clerk has the lion's share of all the correspondence and work to be done. And amidst the many other responsibilities our brother has, we're very thankful that he's here with us today. So, God bless you, brother. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Saunders, for your uh, kind words of welcome. Uh, may I say that it is a, a, a joy and a privilege to be with you again in Toronto and have the opportunity of ministering from the pulpit here today. So our prayer the Lord will bless us richly and come very near and touch our hearts. It's great again to see Dr. McClellan and his wife uh, throughout this week, and we're glad that We've been able to renew fellowship with them. A word of thanks to the ladies on a personal level for all of the uh, hospitality that we've received this week. It has been a great time, and as Dr. Saunders has said, I was sent along with the Reverend Armstrong as the two delegates from our Ulster Presbytery, and we have received a great welcome, a warm welcome, and have been looked after so wonderfully during this week. That is almost now to close. We go home tomorrow evening, the Lord willing, and we trust the same will not happen as happened when we were coming. We were flying from Dublin through to Toronto, and we were told when we boarded the plane, we're actually going to be leaving early. Then suddenly the announcements began to come through one after the other, and it was four hours late. And so we don't want that to happen tomorrow night. Do pray that the Lord will give safe traveling and timely traveling back home. Bring you greetings from my own congregation in Bellamina, and we do rejoice in what the Lord is doing here in Toronto. Trust God will bless you. We assure you of our prayers, and we pray that the work of God, not only here, but in all of our churches in North America, will continue to be blessed of God, and will go forward in a very rich way. Now, today I want you to come with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. The Lord led me to this passage. In a sense, it is very appropriate in that it does refer to a mother who laid hold on God at a certain time in her experience. I said to Dr. Saunders, I'm not really a Mother's Day preacher. He said, don't worry about that. 
But anyhow, the Lord led me to this passage that does focus on a mother, and we are all very familiar with Hannah. But I want to draw your attention to the passage and uh, bring God's Word from it. So we'll have a word of prayer again, and then we will read the Scriptures and come to what the Lord would say to our hearts today. Our Heavenly Father and our Eternal God, we bow before Thee in the name of Thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank Thee for a sense of Thy presence among us in this worship service. Yea, Lord, this week we have known Thy help, and we thank Thee for that and for the word that our brother Mr. Gallagher brought this morning in the Bible class. And, O Lord, we pray that now Thou wilt continue with us. O may our hearts be warmed and renewed. May we know the presence of our God as we fellowship the one with the other. We pray that the Spirit of the Lord will be poured out. Cleanse my heart in the blood of the Lamb. Grant me the unfilling of the Holy Ghost to bring the word that Thou hast given even for this occasion. Lord, hear and answer prayer and abide with us. We pray this in the Savior's name and for His sake and for His eternal praise. Amen and amen. So, 1 Samuel, please turn with me to chapter 1, and I want to read from verse 9, verse 9 down to verse number 18. Let us hear the Word of God. So, Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now, Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head." And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine hand made for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way, and she did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And we know God will bless the reading of this as word to all of our hearts. Samuel is one of the outstanding men of God in Old Testament times. He served the Lord at a vital and a critical period in the spiritual history of the congregation of Israel. Indeed, it could be said that Samuel's ministry marked a watershed experience in the dealings that God took 
with his ancient people, a time when there was a transition from one era to another. This is what we find as we understand the book of 1 Samuel and the ministry of Samuel. Things are moving onwards in God's great redemptive purposes with regard to Israel and the coming eventually of the promised Messiah. And Samuel plays a vital role in all of those matters. He was the last of the judges, the man who ruled the nation from the time of the death of Joshua. But he was also the first of the prophets, that is, after Moses. He therefore occupies the initial place in that class of men who serve God right on through all of the history that follows until the time of Malachi, the final one of the Old Testament prophets, and indeed uh, with regard to John the Baptist himself, who was in many ways the last of those prophets. Samuel is the one who stands at the forefront of all these men, not only in sense of time, but in sense of the importance and the power of his ministry. He was first and foremost a prophet, even though he was the last of the judges. There's an interesting passage in Hebrews 11 where Samuel is mentioned. Verse 32 says this, Paul writes, the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. Now, there you have four of the judges mentioned, Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. And then you might expect that Samuel should come in there, but he doesn't. He then mentions David, and then he mentions Samuel. Even though Samuel lived long before the time David was born, uh, David's mentioned first, and then it says Samuel and the prophets. In other words, what has been spelled out there is that Samuel stands at the head of that class of men who were uh, the Old Testament prophets in that period of time that followed on from the days of Samuel. So Samuel was a mighty man of God. He served the Lord at such an important time in the history of Israel, and so we should not be surprised to find that there's a lot of attention given to his background and to his early history. And the record of that is found here in these opening chapters of this book that bears his name, the book of 1 Samuel. It is most significant that the story of this man who was to accomplish so much for God has its beginnings in one of the most remarkable seasons of prayer that ever took place in the history of God's people, the very existence of Samuel. And all that he became as a prophet of God can be traced back to this outstanding time of prayer of which we've read here today in the Bible reading. Samuel, of course, had two parents, and they were both godly parents. His father was Elkanah. He was a man of deep spiritual character. We can glean that from just the few details that are given to us about Elkanah in this opening chapter of this book. We'll not even look at it now for the sake of time, but it is interesting that Elkanah came on the scene at a time when 
the sons of Eli were proving themselves to being the wicked men that they really were. And even at the time when Eli, and we'll see a little about that in this message today, was demonstrating that he had in a sense lost out with God and was not the man of God that he should have been at a very critical time in the history of things in the days that we're reading about in these verses. And so Elkanah stood out as a man who was godly, a man who attended to the things of God very diligently, who year after year went up to the house of God at Shiloh, brought his family with him, and truly sought the face of the Lord as he offered up sacrifices in that very place. Then we have Samuel's mother, this lady Hannah. The Holy Spirit has seen fit to give quite a space in the Word of God to Hannah, and especially to the place and the prominence of prayer in the life of this lady, this godly woman, this mother in Israel, we can surely say, of Hannah. She has seemed to be engaged in prayer in almost every part of the Scriptures where she is mentioned, where she is in view. And therefore, it is right to see that all that Samuel ever was and all that Samuel ever accomplished for God can be traced back not only to the faithful witness of a godly father, but even more so to the praying of a godly mother. I have suggested to you that the outstanding truth that is brought before us in this passage is that there is no turning point in the history of God's work that has ever come to pass except through the ministry of prayer. Samuel, as a prophet, was the pivot on which the testimony of the Lord's uh, whole witness turned for the better at this time in Old Testament history. But we need to keep in mind that there would have been no Samuel, nor would there have been the mighty ministry they exercised, nor would there have been that turning of spiritual things in that day and time, except that there was a mother who knew how to lay hold on God and to obtain an answer from heaven. Many of us today, I am sure in this company, can thank God for a godly mother, a mother who knew the Lord, a mother who prayed, a mother who maybe lived in a very quiet manner, as my mother did. And yet we can thank God for those mothers who knew how to lay hold upon the Lord and obtain answers from heaven. That is the message of this passage of Scripture. And therefore, it has a vital message for our own times. And I want today just to draw your attention to a number of points about Hannah's praying as we find them brought before us in this passage that I've read with you just a little while ago. And so to begin with, I want us to notice here, and we will say this by the help of the Lord, that Hannah prayed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hannah prayed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit's not mentioned here by name, but we will see how we're able to deduce that He most certainly 
was upon Hannah's soul. He filled her and he moved her to pray. We will see that in this particular point. In the Word of God, God's people, whether mothers or fathers, whoever we care to mention, sons and daughters, let's just broaden it out. God's people are exhorted to pray, but they are also taught that we need to be dependent completely upon the influence and the person and the ministry of the Spirit of God as we get down to pray. You have, for example, in Ephesians 2.18, those words of the Apostle Paul, for through Him, that's the Lord Jesus, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. The Trinity is in that verse. And we're being shown, yes, through the mediation of Christ, we can go to the Father in prayer. But we're also shown in that verse that it is by the one Holy Spirit that we're able to pray, that we have the desire to pray, that we long to pray, that we find prayer born in our souls, generated by His presence in our hearts, and therefore we draw nigh to God. I could take it in other verses like Jude, where it says there in the little book of Jude, verse 20, has those words, praying in the Holy Ghost, and other scriptures as well that bring out this point, that true prayer is always generated by the Spirit. And may I say to you that that was the case in Old Testament days, just as it is the case in New Testament days. And that little detail that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of prayer, of grace, and of supplication means that, well, this woman, this godly woman, as she prays here and she obtains an answer of a remarkable kind, that prayer could only have come about because she's praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Eli noticed that she was praying. Well, at the first, he didn't know what she was doing. We're going to read that uh, for a moment here. Look at verse number 12. It came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now, Hannah, she spake in her heart. Only her lips moved. Her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. He said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunk, and put away thy wine from thee? And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. I've already mentioned that Eli was not the man he should have been. He is the priest of God. But in his own household... While he has two sons, they are righteous, ungodly, wicked men. These early chapters of this book show that. And we're told so categorically in chapter 3 that Eli had not restrained them. And so he has failed there. And here's another evidence of this man's failure, spiritually speaking, because he completely misjudges Hannah. He sees her there in the house of God. She's crying to God. And because she doesn't actually articulate the words, and by the way, that's not a proof text that people, that ladies shouldn't pray publicly in the prayer meeting, as some will try to use it. Why she doesn't actually articulate any words, 
She's engaged in the most earnest intercession, but Eli says she's drunk. An awful charge to lay against that woman. And yet, men and women, there's a little detail that is exceedingly interesting. Because as I go through my Bible, and as you go through your Bible, you will find in different passages that there's a parallel drawn between being under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit and the influence and power of drunkenness. Now, that may seem to be a very incongruous parallel. How could that be? But the point is, the Bible mentions it. And I refer, for example, to Acts chapter 2, where you read of the apostles at the day of Pentecost. And uh, it will not take time to turn there, but you'll find it in Acts 2 verse 13 through to verse 17. And there you have the apostles, and they are preaching the gospel in the power of the Holy Ghost. And what do people say about them? They actually allege that they were drunken, that they were under the influence of alcohol. I go to Acts chapter, sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, and I want you to go with me there now, please. Ephesians chapter 5 to a very important verse. And it will help us to see and to deduce why we know that Hannah was praying in the power of the Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 5, and look with me at uh, the verse number 18. And Paul says this, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, you need to look at that verse and think about it. Why does Paul put uh, what we have in this verse to these Ephesians? Be not drunk with wine. Well, for one thing, it's evident that the Ephesians, who were in majority, they were Gentile converts. They had lived a life of sin. It's evident that they had lived in drunkenness. And so here's the command from the Holy Ghost Himself through the Apostle Paul, do not live that way anymore. Don't be under the influence and the power of alcohol any longer. Now, what is the remarkable thing about, uh, about drink, or about strong drink, about alcohol? When a man is drunk, when a man is filled with wine, filled with strong drink, he's under its control. He's under its influence. It dominates him. It directs him. It drives him. It makes him what he is as a drunk man, the way he speaks, the way he walks, the way he behaves, his mannerisms, the violence that will come out. The, the whole attitude of that man is under the control of the alcohol. And so John, or Paul here uses a very vivid lesson he says to these Ephesian believers, no longer live this way, uh, rather live this way. And you see, drunkenness is classified in the book of Galatians as belonging to the works of the flesh. It's a fleshly practice. It's one that is distasteful. It's one that we should flee from with all the grace that God gives us. It's one of the works of the flesh. And so what Paul's saying to these Ephesians is, do not live under the control of the flesh. That's really what he's saying. Demonstrate it by drunkenness. 
That's an outstanding demonstration of fleshly control and a fleshly power, drunkenness. But essentially, he's saying, don't live under the control or the power or the influence of the flesh, exemplified by drunkenness. But rather, he says this in verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. And you see, the word for fill there is essentially the same word as drunk. Be filled with the Spirit. And what he's saying is, live under the control of the Holy Ghost. Now, there's the way the Christian ought to live. Not controlled by the flesh. Not controlled by that which is sensual, that which belongs to the old nature, the sinful heart uh, that we still carry with us, but rather we are to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Now, there's a remarkable verse again I say to you, be not drunk with wine. And it goes on to say wherein is access. And that word access is only used twice in the New Testament. Here in Ephesians 5.18, and then in Luke 15, where you read of the prodigal son. And there it says that the prodigal son, he followed riotous living, is the very same word as the word access. The, the, the prodigal son's life was out of control. It was under the influence of the world and the powers of darkness. He wasted his substance with riotous living, it tells us. So you understand the word access. There's nothing good about it. There's nothing commendable about it, just as how true that is for drunken people. There's nothing commendable about that, my friend. Never forget that. And the child of God should never go down that road. That's why we firmly believe that total abstinence is the way to live. That's just an aside. But don't be drunk with wine that leads to riotous, excessive folly and living and destruction and harm. Rather, be under the control of the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist is another man, another person. If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 1, you will see this parallel again, and to do with drink, alcohol, and the infilling of the Spirit. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 15, and here is what the angel Gabriel says to uh, to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, as he announces that the son is going to be born. And it says there, Luke one fifteen, He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his, wonder, his mother's womb. In describing John the Baptist's spiritual greatness, it is said that he would not imbibe alcohol. And you bring that all together, it becomes clear, therefore, that there's this parallel in the Word of God between those two matters. Drunkness on one hand, being controlled by it, under the influence of it, and then on the other hand, the Holy Ghost. You see, when a, a person is a Spirit-filled man or woman, the Spirit of God will control that person. Brothers and sisters, that is so important that we do not grieve the Holy Ghost, that we do not quench the Holy Ghost in our lives, individually and collectively as a church family, but rather that we live day by day praying for that 
fresh infusion of the Spirit's power into our lives and the Spirit's direction within our hearts and minds, and that we live under His influence and His grace. And in so doing, we will fulfill the mind and the will of God in our lives in every spiritual matter, not only in prayer, but in every other way as well. And so, I show you this just to give you the proof as to why I say that Hannah was praying in the Holy Ghost Eli thought she was drunk when she was under the, he knew she was under the influence of something, and he alleged it was alcohol, but all the while it's God, it's God the Holy Spirit. And these other scriptures bring this out so clearly. Be under the control of the Spirit of God every day in your walk with the Lord in your prayer life or whatever it might be. If you look here quickly at First Samuel 1, because she was praying in the Spirit, she was able to pray in the face of provocation, in the face of an enemy provoking her. If you go back to verse 7, you will see this. It says there, and as he did so, that as Elkanah did so year by year, when she went up, that's Hannah now, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. So there's another woman in view here. And that other, view, other woman was Penina. Uh, Elkanah's other wife, and she had children, and Hannah had no children, and Hannah desperately longs for a son. And we'll see more about that a little later. But the other woman in the story, in the picture here, she's not a woman of grace. She's got a heart that is filled with bitterness against Hannah or uh, filled with the desire to provoke Hannah to more misery and to more unhappiness. And that's what's going on here. You'll find a little earlier on uh, in verse 5, it says this, Unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. God's sovereign here. God's dealing with Hannah. God has shut up her womb at this point. But then God is going to open that womb as we go on to find. But what happened? Verse 6, her adversary provoked her sore to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. You think about that. Don't be like Penina. When you see another brother or sister having a difficult time, going through whatever it might be, problems, anxiety, and, 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 and experiencing great spiritual difficulty, what that person needs is not to be provoked or to be mocked or whatever it might be, but is to be encouraged. Penina did not do that. But the point is that though Hannah was provoked in such a, a very cruel fashion, yet she was able to pray on and as we're going to see, she prayed with even more passion and more intensity. There are different terms that bring this out. So here she is. She's praying in the Spirit, and she's praying in the face of provocation. The only way to pray through in a difficult time is in the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, the enemy will provoke us. The enemy will mock and ridicule and laugh whoever that enemy might be. That's the devil's activity always. You will never find that mockery of a true child of God or of a true work of God comes from any other source but a satanic source. But you see, the devil has his emissaries. 
He has those who do His work for Him. And very often, tragically, some Christians do His work for Him. This woman, Penina, Elkanah's other wife, would have been at least in the congregation of Israel, therefore recognized as being one of the Lord's. Well, the Lord's the judge of that, but outwardly that's the way it was. And yet this is how she's behaving toward her sister in the Lord, put it that way. And yet Hannah is able to pray on and pray through because she's praying in the power of the Spirit of God. And she prays, as I said, with even greater passion. Look at verse number 10. It says this, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Now, that's not a sinful bitterness in verse 10. That is a heart yearning for divine intervention to resolve the matter. See, being filled with the Spirit and aware of the need will produce passionate praying. And so look at verse number 12. It says, it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord. Those are very important words. There's passionate praying. And the margin there reads this way, she multiplied to pray. The enemy is provoking her, but it does not make her cease praying. Indeed, she prays all the more. She prays out of a heart that is broken, and she multiplies to pray. And so the intensity increases. Then look at verse 13. It says, Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. And then go a little farther with me on down to verse number 15, and she responds to Eli's allegation that she's drunken. She says in verse 15, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. You see, the idea in that language in verse uh, verse number 15 is this. In prayer, there's a pouring out of what has been accumulated there, what has filled the soul already. Now, if you look now at verse 16, you will see this. It says toward the end of verse 16, Out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. The word for abundance actually means multitude. And the word, the Hebrew word I mean, and the Hebrew word for complaint means meditation. And so there was a multitude of meditations and thoughts in Hannah's heart. Already she's, she's been thinking about all this. The Holy Ghost has been leading her in this direction. Now you've got to see it. She desperately wants a son. The Lord had shut her womb. The question is, is it God's will for Hannah to pray like this? Is she being selfish? Is she being, is she guilty of going against the will of God? And the answer, of course, is no. The Lord's testing her. And at the same time, He's filling her heart with thoughts and meditations to her heart, to the point where her heart actually overflows. And then she gets before the Lord, and as she herself says, she pours it all out. It can't be contained. The vessel's full, full of her passion 
and her longing and her yearning and her desire, and she cannot contain it, and therefore she comes and she pours it out before the Lord. You know, the Bible speaks a lot about that and uses this very same language about pouring out our petitions and our longings and our yearnings onto the living God. Let me show you a few of those. If you'll turn to Psalm 42, and that's a well-known psalm because that is a psalm in which we see the psalmist in a state of deep and troublesome times on a very personal level. Psalm number 42, and it says there in verse 1, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat night and day. Now, here's the reason why. Here's the reason why he's, his heart is panting after God and thirsting after God and wanting to get to God. Here in verse 3, you're given the reason. They continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, that is what the enemy is saying, the taunts of the enemy, the mockery of the enemy, the one who comes to provoke, as we saw in First Samuel, what's the psalmist's response? He says, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. What a, a vivid and powerful reminder there is there of the pouring out of the soul or other verses to which we could go. I haven't time to look at them. But notice this. Just as water is collected in a vessel and held there and then is poured out. That's the imagery that's here. In 1 Samuel, or with the psalmist, we can look at Lamentations chapter 2, you'll find the same thing. Many other verses throughout the Old Testament. This, my friend, is the experience of the Christian. The thoughts, the directions of the Lord, the will of God becoming more clear, filling the soul, being accumulated there like a vessel been filled up with water until the point it can hold no more. And then what's the next thing? You pour it out get before the Lord and you pour it out. I may be speaking to people today and you're going through difficult times and troubles and trials. When is that not the case? The child of God, this is the pattern of Christian life. It's the very opposite of what we're told by those who preach a message that tells God's people that the Christian life is easy. They're, once you get saved, oh, from, the, from that point onwards, it's just floating along and there's no trouble and no difficulty or no challenge. My dear friend, that's contrary to the book. And by experience as well has been contrary to Scripture. It's contrary to experience. That's not the way it is. It's the very opposite. And the Lord has His own reasons and purposes in all that. But the point is, the difficulties of the saints, and you may be going through such a time. I urge you today just to take time to wait upon God. Wait patiently. Think of what the Lord's doing in your life. Let the meditations on Him, upon His will for you, Discern it, discover it, 
fill your soul, and then go and pour it out. Let me remind you, dear believer, the Lord loves you too much to deal with you harshly. He won't deal with you harshly. He may test you, he may try you, but he's not dealing in harshness. The Lord is always. He knows what he's doing. He shut up Hannah's womb for a time. Then he opened it. The Lord is all wise. The Lord is all powerful. Don't we know these to be the attributes of our God? Don't we know that He is the one who knows the end from the beginning and every situation in life, and therefore fill your mind with that. Fill your heart with those truths. Study God. Study His attributes. Study how He works, how He operates, and then go and rehearse everything before the Lord as Hannah did here as she prayed in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you to clearer views, of your God, your Savior, His ways, and so forth. We must pray in the Spirit. Just a word, because my time's run away. Just a word about the actual petition that she brought uh, that is in view in this whole story here. You see, whenever you read there toward the end of the passage that I read with you earlier, Verse 17, here's what Eli says, Now, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Now, notice the word petition there, and it's in the singular. Now, Eli is beginning to see something he hadn't seen before. He had accused Hannah wrongly. She sets him right, by the way, and he takes it. Sometimes your wife might be more discerning than you just to take that relationship. And she might have a better understanding than you about spiritual things, and you should listen to her. That's why God gives even ministers' wives to help them, to have a word in their ear at times, and so forth. And Hannah answered Eli here, and she set him right. She says, I'm not drunk. I'm praying. And Eli feels rebuked, undoubtedly. And here's what he says in verse 17. Go in peace, the God of Israel, grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked for him. Now, there is a specific petition. It's in the singular. And what was it? Verse 11, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child. There's her petition. And naturally, that's what she wants, but just notice that. Give unto thy handmaid a man-child. Now, here's the question. Was she asking for a son out of selfishness, out of jealousy. There's that other woman, Penina. She has a, a plurality of children. Hannah has none. So what is this? Why, has, why is she asking for a son? And let me tell you the answer to that. It was neither because of jealousy 
or for any selfish reason. It was because Hannah saw the day in which she lived, and she understood the need for a man of God. Because she says here, give me a man-child, and I will give him unto the Lord. Lord, give me a son, and I'll give him back. And that's exactly what she did. And why? Well, I've touched on it. Hannah was aware of the apostasy of the times. She was aware of the failure in Eli's family. Oh, they were, as I said, they were, they were wicked men. Did you notice that Eli himself, in verse 9, you notice where he was at this juncture? He's, it says there he's sitting on a seat by a, the post, a post of the temple. Have you ever studied the tabernacle? That's what's in view here. This is the tabernacle of Moses, actually. There were no seats in the tabernacle because the priest's work was never done. And so in all the furniture of the tabernacle, there were no seats, but Eli had brought in a seat because Eli was a man who was at ease in Zion. That's the spiritual lesson there. You read on about Eli and you'll find in chapter 2 where you have the record of his death that Eli was a he was a heavy man. I have to be very careful here because I'm not saying that if you're kind of heavy that you're out of touch with God, but the picture fits here. That's why he's got a seat in the temple. But going beyond that, his two sons, we are told in chapter 2, were committing immorality with the women in the very precincts of God's house. You'll find in chapter 3 that the Word of the Lord was precious in those days. The very first verse or two, there was no open vision. And the word for vision there refers to divine revelation, refers to the Word of God. It's not our subjective vision of things. It's the objective vision of spiritual truth. And it was a scarce commodity. And so the whole picture builds up. It's a day of apostasy. It's a day of weakness. It's a day of failure. It's a day when the Word of God has not been proclaimed as it should be. It's a day when the devil's running rampant. And here's a woman who can see it and can understand it. And that's what her petition is all about. This woman filled with the Holy Ghost and she goes before the Lord and she says, Lord, give me a son and I'll give him back to you. To do what? To become the mighty prophet that Samuel became. The great preacher. The great leader. Do you know that Samuel stands out in Scripture? I've mentioned that already in my opening remarks, but Samuel stands out in Scripture as one of the greatest men of God who has ever lived. If I, if I gave you a, a, a test this morning and asked you to point out the greatest man of God in the Old Testament, you might go to Moses, and he was, he was great. And I understand that. He was unique. But let me tell you, the Bible spells it out that Samuel was the greatest of the prophets. I'm, going to, I'm not taking time to take you to Psalm 99 or Jeremiah 15, because it tells you that there. He was. 
And so, he was that for this reason. He was a man who turned the whole course of history. As he labored, as he was a prophet of God in his day and time. Dear brethren and sisters, what should you and I be praying for? That God will raise up other men, new men, for our day and times. God does not come down to speak independently of man. He, come, he sends men. That's His way. He doesn't send angels. He sends men. The, the, the church of Jesus Christ desperately needs men. Our own little denomination needs men. We need the Lord to raise up Samuels, men who have power, men who know God, men who know the times, men who are able to stand up and be counted. We need those men. And that's what Hannah was praying for. That's precisely what the Lord did. What a man Samuel was. If you'll, as I close here, if you'll just turn quickly to chapter 3, and I haven't really any more time to go any farther today, but surely the Lord has said enough to us to drive us all to pray, to pray in the Spirit, to pray like Hannah, for the Lord to raise up a man or men for this day and time. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Just note again with me the first verse. I, I referred to it. The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And that's what that means. The, 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 the mind of God, the revelation of God was not known because of the failure in Eli's house. But God gave this lad to Hannah, and she has him in the house of God. And go on down now to the close of the chapter. Verse 19, Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan, even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord." There it is. That explains verse 1. No open vision. Now at the end of the chapter, there is an open vision because God is giving fresh revelation. God has raised up a man, and that man is Samuel. And that man sent to minister, and the power and the presence of God are with him. And all that Samuel proclaimed, none of it fell to the ground. It was God's Word. Let us pray today as Hannah prayed. Let us go to the Lord. I really stress this to you. Go to the Lord with heart, soul, and mind. Mothers here today, pray for fresh generation that God will raise them up. Fathers do the same because undoubtedly Elkanah would have been in this with his wife Hannah and fully supporting her and standing by her side. And may the Lord do this. Do it for you in Toronto. Do it for us all, wherever the Lord has us. Do it for brethren of light mind and light precious faith. And give to us prayer in the Spirit and answers from heaven itself. 
Let us just have a word of prayer, and then uh, Reverend Saunders will come to close. Father, remember Thy church in these days, days, Lord, of great need, when darkness prevails, and sin is on every hand, and apostasy deepens and increases. Give us women like Hannah, who have understanding of the times, who are able to pray and lay hold on God. Come to Thy work, come to Thy church. Move again, we pray of Thee, and hear our cries. We ask this in Jesus' name and for His eternal praise. Amen. We've been challenged today by God's servant and the Word for us. This is not just for the women and mothers of the congregation. This is for everyone that we need to seek the Lord with all our hearts. We need to be men and women who are understanding the times in which we're living in. And we need to be at the throne of grace in prayer, laying hold upon our God. Today you might have a heavy heart. Uh, You might be just like that description of Hannah, whatever your case may be. Well, we turn our hearts to Him because we know that our God hears and answers our prayer. Number 661, we're going to close our service with this hymn. Is there a heart overbound by sorrow? Is there a life weighed down by care? Come to the cross, each burden bearing. All your anxiety, leave it there. We'll stand please to sing.
hearts before the Lord. Friend, it's speaking here about a burden, and it may be today that you do not know the burden-bearing Savior. You don't know the Lord as your own. Well, the gospel invitation is open wide, and Christ is here willing to save. And friend, if you have any question about your soul's need, then we encourage you to wait behind and speak to us at the end. We'll be able to share with you and show you how you can know Christ is your Redeemer, your Savior. Father, we pray today that the word that has been put upon our minds, in our hearts, we are thankful, Father, for the blessings of truth, the Spirit of God writing these things upon our minds. Father, you know the state and the condition of every heart those weighed down with burdens, anxieties, and cares, those things, Father, that cannot be shared with anyone else but to present it only to the throne of grace. Lord, come and hear and answer these prayers and pour out your grace abundantly. Pour out your Spirit, Lord, with power to every soul. And, Father, Speak, we pray, effectually to the hearts of those who are still without Jesus. Do that work we ask today for the honor, Lord, of your great and holy name. Amen.